Welcome again, everybody, to Lydia House. As I did the study on joy, I must confess, I think my view of God changed, even in a good way. And my understanding of what the human life experience is supposed to be. Throughout the Old and New Testament, I see moments in people's lives, I see relationships, I see new life, I see encountering God, I see harvest, I see um, all sorts of blessings. And in that, in the natural and the supernatural, it is, it is woven with joy. So the tapestry of life that God created looks like joy, ultimately. That's God's desire for his creation. I went to visit a, a friend of mine, his family, Tom, Tom and Sarah. They got married a few years ago. They have two kids. So there I am staying at their house, and he sees a little two-year-old girl, and there comes Daddy. And Daddy, the love in his heart wells up, and he just starts singing over his little girl. He just makes up a song on the spot, and he starts singing to his little girl, and then I see, like, the, 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 the physical response, the, the body response of this girl. It's, it's like there's excitement, there's movement, there's energy, and a smile comes on her face. And I look at that and I say, this is a joy encounter. This is a joy experience. Right? Right? And the Bible says that the joy of the Lord is our strength. Okay? So it's his joy but yet it's our strength. And so joy with God literally is this, that we enter into the presence of God's emotional life, which is willing, welling up with joy. And we're the recipients of that joy, and it strengthens us. It strengthens our heart. It, it nourishes us. It transforms us. It fills our souls. There's this joy exchange that I saw happen between Tom, his dad, and then daughter, right? So I think that's very Im important to understand. As we look at creation, you see God incrementally creating, separating day and night, light and darkness, the water, the firmament, uh, and he makes plants and fishies and mammals and all of that kind of stuff. And at the end of each phrase, when God creates, it says, and he saw it was good. He saw it was good. He saw it was good. And he creates humankind. And then he says it's very good. Uh, the commentary that I looked at suggests that when Moses wrote out the creation story, that he intentionally hit the it was good, it was good, it was good, it was good, because it communicates the reality that God took joy in his creation. God takes joy in his creation. God takes joy in you and me. In spite of our flaws, in spite of our sins, we are a reason for joy for God, which, for yeah, okay, Naomi, yeah. Yeah. And 
Yes. Okay, that's good. That's good. So music can oftentimes bring joy to people, right? I mentioned a few different activities that lead people into joy. Can you guys share any activities that lead you to joy? Marriage, okay, yeah. Hiking, yeah, yeah. Anybody else? Room ball, okay. Friends, water, swimming. Yeah, what about buoy? Does buoy bring you joy, Andrew? Okay. How about how about humor? Does humor bring you joy? Yes. Yeah. Right. These little children, right? Oh yeah, yeah. Joy is like marrow to the the bones or something like that. Yeah. So I want to focus now on this reality that joy is mostly a relational experience. Now, there are events and activities in God's common grace through his creation that we have joy from encountering the goodness of God through uh, through nature, for example. Um, picture yourself as a little kid again. Some of you had better childhood than others, I'm sure, but when you're a little kid and your dad comes home from work and maybe if you have a decent dad, you're excited to see dad. I mean, and, and dad is excited to see you if, if he's connected to his heart and he's emotionally healthy and you enter into his presence and he enters into your presence and there's a joy and a delight. The kid's been waiting all day to see dad. There he is. There's smiles on the face. Dad is going to love on the kid. Dad is going to hug him, squeeze him, whatever, share his heart with his kid. And, and that love exchange is going to bring joy to that kid's heart. Joy to that kid's heart. And whether you experience it or not, God designed you to experience it, right? He designed you to experience love. And it's not just dads, it's moms too, obviously, that if kids have healthy parents, that there is a joy that comes from being loved by their their parents, and there there's a a joy exchange that happens when they encounter and interact with each other. And some of us would describe our home life as joyful, but some of us wouldn't, right? So some of us were almost like birthed into joy because we had this love relationship thing going on. Some of us were birthed into more depression or sorrow or just no emotional life, and that's tough. That is tough because, again, God did not design us for that. God literally designed us for joy as he designed us for love, and we flourish in that. And it's primarily through relationships. And I'll, I'll just say, like, there is a, a fair amount of joy that happens at my house when Rob and Jeremy and Andrew and I are all exchanging um, thoughts and, and feelings. 
and Joe comes and Levi comes and whatever, and, and we, you know, we share, we exchange, we love on each other. And, and it's just like there's a, a joy that wells up within our community connection. Can anybody testify to that, right? It, it happens. Yeah, I got an amen from Jeremy over there. So joy really comes through relationship, and it comes from being loved and connected in a meaningful way. And if you didn't get that, it's not too late to get that now in your life. I think about Jesus not just being God, but being the Son of God and having a Father who loves him perfectly through all eternity. Um, Isaiah 42.1 refers to the promised Messiah as one in whom the Father delights. So the Bible specifically says the Father delights in his Son and future Messiah. It also says that he is the one who will be characterized by joy. Messiah will be characterized by joy, a joy that surpasses all of his brethren. So, so he's going to be super joy person, right? It's fun to be joyful. I'd much rather be joyful than downcast, right? If I could choose my emotional life, I would choose joy. And the reality is I can choose and I do choose, right? Thy throne, O God, is forever and ever. A scepter of, right, of uprightness is the scepter of thy kingdom. Thou hast loved righteousness and hated wickedness. Therefore, God, thy God, has anointed thee with the oil of joy above thy fellows. And that's from Psalm 45, 6 through 7. We're going to talk about this a little more. Righteousness leads a person to a joyful emotional state. You see that in the Bible. So there, there are ways that we can sow into our own joy and release joy into others. Messiah chooses righteousness. He hates wickedness. And that's one of the reasons why joy is his inheritance. But God doesn't just want his son, Jesus, to have joy and to live in that beautiful experience. He extends it to all people. He extends it to all of of humankind, but only a portion are going to receive it and say yes to that. Nehemiah 8.10 says, The joy of the Lord is my strength. Right? We, we started with that verse. If I'm in a relationship with God, you know what's going to happen to me? I'm going to be transformed. I'm going to change from glory to glory. And it's not only my mind being renewed, Romans 12, talking about that. But my emotional life is going to be transformed too. Because as I abide in him, and you, you think about John uh, chapters 13 through 17, which really are uh, focusing on relationship with God. I am the vine, you're the branches. Abide in me, remain in me. If you, if you abide in me, you're going to bear fruit. You're going to bear wonderful fruit. And I don't think it's just talking about like doing good works. I think it's literally focusing on the fruit of the Spirit. Right? So think about it this way. If you abide in Jesus, if you remain in his love, 
and your heart is being filled with his love, your emotional life is going to become so fruitful that people are going to come into your presence and they're going to literally taste and eat of your joy. And it's God's joy in you. It's the joy of the Spirit. And it's going to transform them. And for the hopeless, it's going to say, there's a different quality of life I can abide in. It's there. It's for the taking. Right? So the more we can tap into Jesus and abide in his love and be transformed by his joy, the more it happens in us and through us and to others and brings God glory. Right? I pray that my emotional life would become so rich and so beautiful that that itself would lead people to salvation. They would so much see the life and character of God in me that they'd want to partake in this God of goodness and grace. God is joyful being God. You know, I, I think it's tough for him too in certain ways because, you know what, he, he experiences sorrow. He gets grieved. The Holy Spirit gets grieved. You see that in the Old New Testament. But he's mostly joyful. He's mostly joyful. Psalm 17.8 says, um, keep me as the apple of your eye. And there's a few times in the Old Testament where that phrase is given. And that phrase, apple of your eye, is basically like this object of great love and affection. And I really pray that it would be ingrained in my heart, our hearts, that, that we would believe, and not just believe, but experience the reality that we are the object of God's affection. Right? This is a big deal. This is a big, 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 big deal. When, when I am loved by somebody deeply and it, it seeps into the core of my heart, it does something to me. It does something to me. Anybody here have somebody that you know really loves you a lot? Somebody really loves you a lot and it does something to you, doesn't it? Doesn't it? It brings life. It brings identity. It brings joy. It displaces lies that might be embedded in our identity too, right? So that, that being, being the object of, of somebody's love is very transformative. God gives us joy because he is joyful. And when I just envision God in our midst now, I think, I think of him singing over us. I think of him dancing over us. I think of him celebrating. I think of God in creation. I think you think of a, a conductor who's just so into the music making. He's creating something so beautiful and everything's in harmony. There's life. There's love. There's joy. There's expression. This is God. This is God with his creation. This is God singing over his people. This is God loving the bride of Christ. It's the joy of the Lord in fellowship with his people. Something beautiful is happening as God enters into the presence of his people and they enter into his presence. God is very intentional. He wants to give us joy. In fact, that's one of God's main goals in our lives is to give us joy. You think of Jesus at the right hand of the Father and making intercession for us. One of the things he's going after, Father, Father, I pray that these, our people, would be so baptized in our joy. 
God, I want to bring them from sorrow. I want to bring them from isolation. I want to bring them from hopelessness into this place of joy, this beautiful relational experience. And in John fifteen eleven, Jesus says, These things I have spoken to you that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be made full. Jesus is saying things to them. He's letting them know truth of what he, his objective is, what Father's objective is, to give them joy. I want you to feel good about life. I want you to be in a good emotional state. John seventeen thirteen. But now I come to thee, Jesus speaking to the Father, and these things I speak in the world that they may have my joy made full in themselves. So just imagine that. What would life be like if there was a place in my emotional life, in my heart, my soul, for the fullness of God's joy to enter in? Wow, that would be a pretty incredible way of living, and it is the will of God. John fifteen nine through 11, As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Now remain in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will remain in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and remain in his love. I have told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. So there it is. There, there's two qualifications here. Number one, remaining in the Father's love. So I need to stay connected with God for that, that uh, current of joy to enter into my heart. Uh, when I turn my heart away to lesser things, love of money, love of worldly pleasure, lust, whatever the case may be, you know what? I'm shutting off the, the joy connection with God. I'm unplugging my um, electrical cord into the heart of God, and I'm suffering. And that's not good. Righteousness and joy are connected. The prospect of the righteous is joy. Proverbs ten twenty eight. Right. So there, there's a a quality of life that comes with being obedient to God and saying yes. Your way of living, your commands are true. They are life, and you see it over and over again in the Old Testament. Thy words are life. Thy commands, thy precepts, they are life. They are nourishment to my soul. So it's not a legalistic God who's saying you can't have fun. No, it's a God saying. I've designed you to function well by being holy. You're made in my image, and when you veer from that, um, that way I've created you, you're going to get hurt. Your emotional life is going to go down the tubes. Right? So sin is a joy killer. Robin mentioned yesterday, we were talking about this, that legalism is a joy killer too. So if I... If I'm like, oh, I have to please God, I have to do all these laws and blah, 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 blah. It's like I, I'm focusing on the rules. I'm not focusing on relationship. I'm focusing on duty rather than delight in who God is. The law of the letter kills, but the spirit giveth life. And I'm using a little King James because I just want to have a little fun. You know, just you know, a little Middle English, never hurt anybody. But um, this is true. God knows what's best for us. And as a loving father, he showed us how to live. And the world, America, is really unhealthy right now. Record amounts of anxiety, depression, suicide, family breakdown. And I'll tell you why. Well, number one, they're not in a relationship with God. Number two, they're choosing a way of life that brings death and not life. Right. But we need to go beyond just the way of living. We need to go to the author of life. And when the relationship 
our love for God causes us to make the right decisions, then we're not legalists, right? We're doing the right thing for the right reasons. There is a correlation in both the Old and New Testament of mourning and joy. Then I'm going to add a third component, which is depression. So I've had depression in my life. Know a lot of other people who have too. And depression is bad. Depression, you're, you're emotionally stagnant. You are oppressed. There is no forward momentum. Depression is our enemy. Depression is, um, is evidence that we're stuck. We are stuck. And we're probably really emotionally disconnected with a lot of things that are buried in our hearts. But mourning is way different from depression. Right? Thou, though the sorrow may last for the night, his joy comes in the morning. Blessed are they that mourn, for they shall be comforted. We see Jesus saying, blessed are you who mourn. How fortunate you are that you mourn. Uh, we see uh, the God of all comfort in Second Corinthians, who comforts us in all of our trials. Uh, mourning uh, is a result of experiencing pain. It could be neglect. It could be abuse. It could be loss of a loved one. Uh, Nick and Tabitha are in mourning now because they lost a family member, and they're going to be for a long time. And that's just a part of, of being bonded in a loving relationship with somebody else. So if I'm at a place of mourning, I'm actually at a good place. It's hard, but it's good. Because it means I'm connected with the pain in my heart, and I'm able to process and release that pain. And God wants to come into that process and comfort me. And he does. In my own personal life, he does. And I can move forward emotionally, and the heaviness starts to leave. And when you embrace mourning, if you need to, as you cry, as you weep, as you're comforted, there is a love exchange. And you cast your cares on Jesus. And Jesus might be Andrew Johansson or Joe Protzman or somebody in your life, too, who's choosing to release the love of God and who understands and who's emotionally present and there for you as you weep and as you suffer. So as you are comforted and you are in relationship with others in your mourning process, you're going to eventually move and transition into joy. And that's the way God designed it. So mourning, sometimes we need to go there, but we're never meant to stay there. We're never meant to stay there. For some of us, we have to go through that stage of mourning to come to that place of joy. And that's been the case in my life, right? So I think it's important to understand that reality. The apostles in the New Testament even found joy in the midst of suffering. In the midst of suffering, they had such a quality relationship with Jesus that they took joy in suffering for his name's sake. So I'm not saying joy in losing a family member or somebody gets sick. I'm saying suffering defined as persecution because that's the main focus and reason for suffering in the New Testament is you believe something that most others don't and they hate you for believing it and they're going to reject you. They're going to take your stuff and they might kill you. They're going to kick you out of their community. So I think when we suffer for Jesus' sake, the Holy Spirit releases a special joy that we literally f have a fellowship in the sufferings of Christ 
And there's a blessing in identifying with the suffering of Jesus. James chapter 1, verses 2 and 3 talk about the purpose of suffering. Because the testing of our faith produces perseverance. So he basically says, count out all joy when you face various trials. Trials in and of themselves don't bring me joy. They bring me bad emotions. But if I steward them correctly, I'm going to go to Jesus. And I'm going to realize he's going to redeem this. And I'm going to look to him for strength. And my faith will be tested. And my character is going to be transformed. So one of the values of suffering for the Christian is to realize we're going to become more like Jesus as a result of our suffering. If we bring it to God. Because we can misdoard our suffering as well, which I've done, which probably most everybody's done. There's a right way to steward it. Jesus says to his disciples, rejoice that your names are written in heaven. And that's in the context of they, they came back from experiencing this new authority that they never experienced before. Jesus gave them power to heal the sick and to cast out demons, etc., so they went out in faith, and they actually saw it happen. Holy moly. I mean, you think, wow, these people are operating in this, this incredible power of God. They're seeing the kingdom literally be released through their words, through their fingers, bring, bringing transformation to others. They're seeing these, these dumb demons, right, that are oppressing people. They're seeing, wow, they, they fall underneath the name of Jesus. And they're rejoicing, and there's a, that's a good reason to rejoice, Wow, I, I'm experiencing the kingdom of God that is coming to this world, but, but Jesus says, oh, I, uh, you know, I understand this is a good thing and I've given it to you, but there's something much better. Rejoice that your names are written in heaven. Rejoice that you're going to spend eternal life with a loving, perfect, holy, all-satisfying God. That's where the joy is. So, so much of our joy is future-based. It's based in the promises of God. It's based in the fact that Jesus died for us and there's an eternal covenant of grace connected to that death if we say yes in faith, right? We are heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ and he's got such good things for us for eternity that we can't really even fully, we will not fully experience in the flesh, and we can't even comprehend it, right? The Apostle Paul tasted of things when, when he was caught up to the third heaven that were beyond the capacity of human language to even try and articulate. So there's something so great. It's like we, we're just on the tip of the iceberg. When we see the goodness or experience the goodness of God in this world, it's but a foretaste. It's but a, a grain of sand on Mount Everest, there's so much more that God has for us. And all of these things, as we meditate, as we enter the presence of God, should bring us to a place of joy. So that's pretty much the end of the message, and we'll, we'll just pray for joy to be released. Now, yeah. God is most glorified in us when we are most satisfied in him. Yes. God created us for pleasure. Yeah, question. Yeah. You know, I, I have five kids, and I've experienced that a million times. But yeah. I really want to 
kind of stress the dad side of it. I think we have a hard time imagining God with any needs. Mm-hmm. But he created relationships because he needs relationships, and he loves it. When, I mean, when you said the little kid did, like when I would walk in the door, it would be a long day. It would be a hard day just to slap my face in the yeah. face and say, you're happy now. Okay, open the door. And when those kids, they drop their toys and come, Daddy, and race yeah. up and throw their arms around me. Now, yeah, they were joyful that I was home, but the joy that I felt from mm-hmm. them come running yeah. was just unbelievable. Words mm-hmm. are mm-hmm. that I did all day. And you know what? The, the neighbor kids didn't come running. Right. My kids came running. Yeah. And so, I mean, in the world, you know, God knows who is his kids, you know. Mm-hmm. And, and I love the neighbor kids, but I really love my kids. I mean, there's yeah. a difference of joy when I know that they're going to jump up and come running and call yeah. me daddy. Yeah. God really loves it when we love him. Yes, yes. I mean, I think we think it's a one-way street and we're going to get the joy, but to imagine, it does my heart so much good to think that he liked it if I remember him and go, hey, thanks for, you know, mm-hmm. hey, you're great, you know. He loves it. Yeah. You know, just like any of us love a parent, you know. Yes. It's, it seems like it's a weakness, but it's not, is it? For him? I mean, he loves when we love him. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I, I think, I mean, it, that's a really good point. We, we're made for love, and we enjoy being loved, yeah. right? And, and a, a parent, I'm not a parent, but I, let's just say I mentor people, and sometimes they can be stinkers or not show appreciation. When they show appreciation, yeah, I get joy out of that, right? Yeah, those millennials, though, I'm just saying, they're, they're, a hard, they're, they're hard, hard cookies, you know? I mean, you can, uh, 30 and younger. Yeah. Yeah, I'm just teasing about those millennials. <laughs> but I like to pick on them a little bit once in a while. I like kind of what you're saying, Steve, with the idea of like God, like when he comes the God in prayer, yep. and when he comes in and creates whatever, it's like it just brings joy to his heart that we are yeah. like coming to him, and it's like he's excited for us to come, you know, into his presence to receive from him. Yeah. And we sat for hours. I'd pull out one hair at a time and get it out of that brush. And the whole time, I'm just laughing. I'm having fun. It's like you screwed up, but we'll get this figured out. And I always, I remember that often when uh, I screw up and I think, mm-hmm. you know, God's not maybe thrilled about it, but he's like, all right, we screwed up. And well, yeah. we'll get this brushed out later. Yeah. So, Lord, we, we just we thank you for joy, and we, we thank you for relationships that bring us joy. Lord, we thank you that it really is your intent to bring us to a place of joy. And, Lord, if we have to walk through sorrow to get there, if we 
we have to be delivered from legalism or if we have to say no to certain behaviors and attitudes and yes to others, we just ask for your grace to, to lead us on that journey to joy. And Lord, we thank you for the deposit of joy that you released today and just even especially of thinking, thinking of being in your presence for eternity and just being loved by you for eternity is a beautiful thing. So strengthen our hearts with that this morning. In Jesus' name, amen.